Um, today's passage, we'll be looking at Mark chapter 7, 24 through 37 uh, this morning. But before we begin, join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for our breath and our daily breath. Breathe in, breathes life into us this morning and give us strength. Give us encouragement. Give us life. But most importantly, give us faith that pleases you. Please speak to us this morning as we prepare to listen to your spirit. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Mark 7, 24 through 37, the two sections uh, that we will cover this morning is about a Syrophoenician woman um, who, has a, who has a daughter that is, um, has an unclean spirit and the healing of a deaf and mute man. Um, so hear now for the word of the Lord. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they, bought, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephathra, and that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so before I begin, I really did have a lot of fun doing a lot of reading about this, something that I haven't done before, uh, really study this section, and I've learned quite a bit. So as we've seen previously, Mark just concluded Jesus' discourse on defilement within and without, and Jesus revealed to the people that it's not what you consume that makes you unclean, but what comes out of a man that defiles him. The narrative moves from Jesus being surrounded by religious authorities to Jesus withdrawing out of Israel's ancient borders, looking for rest into a region of, into the region of Tyre and Sidon. This region was notoriously unclean, a pagan land filled with idolatry. Tyre in modern times would be Lebanon. Ancient readers would have been aware of the area and the stark contrast between 
the Jewish religious leaders of Mark 7, 14 through 23, and the unclean people of Tyre. Flavius Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, made the remark that Tyre represented the most bitter enemy that the Jews had at the time. And it seems that they are still at enmity between the two, even today. This region also produced Jezebel, who persecuted Elijah. And the, and the rabbis at the time said that the region was, was the region most grossly committed to paganism and idolatry. So then it's even more surprising that our Lord could not hide out and rest, as uh, Reagan talked about before, finding rest in the darkest place in the world. Even the pagans were wanting something from Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus cannot be hidden, even in the darkest, <clears throat> darkest places of the world today, which is even true today. There was a woman who had a daughter who had an unclean spirit and she heard about him. She came and fell at Jesus' feet. So we can infer a couple of things, I think. Uh, she was paying homage and respect to him, even though she didn't know him, except by reputation. Hmm. Uh, and, and secondly, she was making a desperate plea for her daughter. Her last hope for her daughter, for her and her daughter. Do you see the contrast uh, from the previous passage? The so-called clean religious authorities hmm challenging Jesus on what is clean and unclean, and then a woman who was manifestly unclean, prostrating herself before Jesus and begging him uh, for his mercy. If only she could see that this was unacceptable. She was a woman approaching a man. She was unclean approaching a clean teacher. She was a Gentile approaching a Jew. She had no socially acceptable reason that she could approach Jesus, and yet she falls at his feet not only begs for mercy, and she not only begs for mercy, she is persistent. So when Jesus hears her plea, he seems to be completely insensitive and harsh. Jesus says to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That doesn't seem compassionate when a woman is begging for relief for her little girl. And what does that mean? Um, Dogs back then, for the most part, were not the cuddly, fuzzy, lovable dogs that we watch on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> dogs were known to be scavengers. They ate from the street, carrying they ate from the streets, carry-on, city garbage, and even corpses. However, some translators have little dogs because in the Greek the dog is in the diminutive form. So it's translated little dog. Yeah. So we may assume that the little dogs were the domesticated dogs that, the, that functioned as pets in the household. And most likely the rule would have been the family eats first, then the leftover scraps may go to the dogs. Mm -hmm. When Jesus said the children eat first, he was referring to the children of Israel. His priority for ministry was the children of Israel, and not to give the food that was designed for the children to the little dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can learn a lot from the woman's response. Yes, Lord. She didn't object. She wasn't offended that Jesus compared them to dogs. What a response. Yes, Lord. I understand. I don't have any prior claims to your mercy, and I'm not one of your children. 
I don't deserve the food you made for your children. I'm satisfied with the crumbs that fall from your table. Please, Lord, a little crumb is all I need. We know we are not numbered in your family, but please have mercy on my daughter. We wait for the crumbs, but all I need is one crumb. I know we have to wait, but the dogs can eat when the crumbs fall during dining. So, Lord, please give us a crumb. Can you see the humility? Can you see the posture? Now we as true believers should savor the crumbs that comes from the hand of God. We should be satisfied with the crumbs from the hand of God. However, God, from the overflow of his grace and mercy, he's not satisfied giving us crumbs. In fact, he prepares a feast and offers an invitation to to a wedding banquet for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Jesus saw her faith, he, he permitted her to eat in a known in a known region. Uh, in, I'm sorry, in a region known for idolatry, a pagan woman showed more faith than the Pharisees. I dare say that if we thought that Jesus' comment to the woman seemed harsh, I will guess that she didn't think so. She probably agreed with everything that Jesus said from that day into the rest of her life. She probably thanked God that she met the living Christ, that by the spoken word, her child was free. Jesus gave the crumb to the Syrophoenician woman, and now he gives more than that to us. The next, <clears throat> the next section is the healing of the deaf and mute man in the region of Decapolis. Uh, the healing of the deaf and mute man brings back images from, uh, there's, it's an allusion to the images from Isaiah 35, 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. In this text, the prophet, <clears throat> the prophet's vision The text, the prophet's vision is given to Isaiah. Um, It is about the destruction of the land. It goes from destruction to glory uh, and redemption of the nations. These were the signs of hope and glory to the nations. This was the time, sign of the Messiah. The kingdom of God would break through and the Messiah would give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and would loosen the tongue of the mute and the lame would leap for joy. Jesus healed this man, a man from a region of unclean people, and he took him aside and he touched him. Jesus put his finger in the man's ear and spit in his hand and touched touched the man's tongue. After Jesus sighed or groaned, an indication of passionate plea appealed to the father, Jesus spoke and said, Pathra, which means be opened. Immediately, the man can hear and speak. And not just speak, speak clearly. When the text it says plainly, but it means speak clearly. He was articulate in what he said. He wasn't just able to speak. Um, so we can probably assume that 
from all that I've read that uh, the man was deaf and he could speak a little, but um, he probably was born able to hear, but then he um, lost his hearing. We can relate to what is going on here. We should be able to relate what is going on here. Before accepting Christ, we were as deaf and as mute as this man. We did not hear from God nor his word. We could not speak clearly the things of God. Not until we were touched by the Holy Spirit and touched by Jesus' bodily fluid. But this time, not spittle, but the blood that covers us. And I found this interesting, that the pagans make an amazing evaluation. He does all things well. I imagine he did all things well, and he did not do anything that was not well. Joseph, when Jesus was growing up, must have been proud at the work that Jesus did. So Jesus did all things well. There wasn't anything that he didn't do well. God the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And after God made creation, he said it was good. We need time to have the same attitude. God does all things well. Even in circumstances, it doesn't seem right away that we can say it is well with our soul. Um, God can make things well with our soul. When we think, when we face storms or tribulations in our lives, we don't make things well, but God does. He gives us his spirit and brings peace and joy to our souls. And the pagans were able to recognize this. Amazing. That God does all things well. Everything he does, he does so well. Let us pray that he makes all things well with our soul. Okay. And that's all I have for that. So let it, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've allowed us to experience um, this life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Messiah. Plant the words in our hearts. Let us live the life well that you have given. Lord, the words that you've given to us this morning, we pray that you would allow it to grow, allow that we would allow your spirit to touch us. We're so grateful that you have opened up um, and given your Messiah to us as we recognize that we are not the children of Israel. But you have, in your grace and mercy, you've given us life to us and given us the crumbs uh, that we don't deserve. We are so grateful uh, for the miracles that you have shown us today, to show us your grace, to show us your mercy, and to show us that you are Lord of all, of all the nations, and you have given us um, life and life abundantly. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name.